0: John Massara, thank you very much for coming in. It's a pleasure. Um, so let's let's talk about Saturday. You were out of the truck on Saturday?
1: I wasn't. I was in the John Massara stand at home. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, it was, it was a wonderful day. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was day. a big
0: day for Arrowfield Stallions. You must be very excited about militarise.
1: Yeah, very excited about him. Uh, it doesn't surprise me because I've been telling people that... is uh, going to come very strong in the next year or two or three. Yeah. Uh, I, I trace the quality of mares that go to these horses and mm-hmm. uh, I knew that there was some terrific mares going to him and that he, we know he can get them because he had five Group 1 winners in his first two seasons. Yeah, And all those mares came thereafter. Yes, And so they now, they've produced horses that are now about to race. So it's nothing that I wasn't expecting but it's always a thrill if you can produce a Group 1 winner. So
0: what we, let's quickly watch Militarise on Saturday... My comment would be he's won right out of the box. He was super impressive.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Here we go. So China Horse Club Colors, white cap, launching into it now. There's a bit of doubts at sort of 300, 400. Maybe he wasn't going to get there. But this is the most impressive part here where he really hits the line. Um, Yeah, impressive. Yeah, very much. I was listening to Ronnie Duffercy on Sunday morning. He thinks he's a Cox Plate horse. Three-year-old Cox Plate, you wouldn't disagree?
1: No, he looks to be. Uh, he seems to be good enough against his own age at the moment. Mm. Uh, and, you know, a good three-year-old can take on a Cox Plate. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be very interesting if they go that way.
0: And so you guys, everyone talks about Chris Waller, that he got the Triple Crown of racing. But I haven't heard anyone say that Arrowfield got the Triple Crown as well.
1: No, we poor old breeders just get forgotten, unfortunately. but that's the way it goes.
0: And what did you think about Shinzo in the Golden Slipper? Oh, I'm proud of him too. Yeah, uh,
1: We get as much joy out of those horses winning, even though we don't own them, yes. because we've been involved in some way with the breeding. So we get an enormous thrill for the people that have bought them and the people that own them now. And uh, it's great for our stallions. And, uh, no, it's it was fantastic. A triple crown uh, of two-year-olds, uh, one stud. Good effort, I think. Yeah, no, very, incredible, very, very incredible. And there's no
0: possible way that he'd come onto the market to be sold as a stallion, right? They just, I don't think so. Nah.
1: I think they're very excited about him, uh, and so they should be.
0: Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, so why don't we let's go back and sort of talk about the the building of Arrowfield, and this um, podcast is based on the horses that built Arrowfield. So if we can go way back, um, you you were a stockbroker. but are talking. I was. This is in the 1980s? Yep. Before, was this before the 87 crash? Yep. Yep. And what hap- how did the 87 crash treat you?
1: Poorly, like Poorly. everybody else. Uh, it's always worse than you think it's going to be, which has turned me into a very conservative fellow these days. Right. Uh, my, my son, Paul, who's a trainer and yep. also runs the farm, thinks I'm very cons- too conservative. But, uh, no, we, uh, in those days you had very clear cycles. You'd yep. have... Uh, an uptick, a bull market for you know various asset classes, and and then you'd have a reset, they'd have a correction, and then you'd go again. So you had this uh, this wave. Today we've had 14 years continuous bull market in, in almost every asset class: property, horses, ma- minerals, whatever you want to look at. Mm. We've had 14 years of upward movement. And I'm waiting for the reset to come, but it's not coming yeah. by the look of it at yeah. the moment.
0: Yeah, and things are a bit on tenor hooks at the moment. A bit but on everything tenor hooks the, yeah, everything seems okay. Um, so, and then you—when sta- did you start buying? So you started buying broodmares yeah. um, as a bit of a, a side sort of passion project, correct? Yeah. So is this sort of late '80s, early '90s? '79. Oh, I mean, really? Okay, yeah. so you're well into it, into the mid '80s. Yeah, yes, I was. Okay, and then um, when was the actual time when you thought I want to get into this professionally and I want to start breeding professionally?
1: In a really uh, sort of significant way, 1983, 84, 85. Okay, cool. And we regard Arrowfield as having been established in 1985. 1985. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So if we move to the first significant thing that Arrowfield did which was investing in Danehill and it's a long fascinating story but I'll try and move it along a little bit but essentially – You came to terms with Coolmore to have equal share in Danehill?
1: I went to Europe to uh, buy Danehill. We identified him as a stallion prospect from here.
0: And was he a really hot prospect or not many people had?
1: No, not many people thought he was a hot prospect because uh, he was a son of Danzig and Danzig was a son of Northern Dancer who was the greatest sire around at the time and probably one of the greatest of all time. And we knew that we couldn't afford to buy a son of Northern Dancer, so we thought, well, we'll try and buy a grandson. Mm -hmm. And what we'll do is we've got to look at all the son's records, uh, you know, and just see what would suit Australia. And when we analysed it, Danzig had half his runners uh, performing in Europe and half in America, and no-one had uh, sort of added up the two and and seen just how good he was. Uh, He liked grass. He was a sprinter, essentially, Mm. although bred in America. He was a sprinter that liked grass, and uh, he was a champion three-year-old sprinter of uh, Europe. You know, after we, just after we, before we bought him, actually, mm. yeah. So, um, well, we identified him as a target, and when he won his Group One, the Ladbroke Sprint Cup, we flew over to negotiate the purchase. We'd been in touch with the owners, and while I was there, Robert Sangster, who I knew well, and uh, said, "You must go and see." Coolmore Stud, because they're doing interesting things over there and you're doing interesting things over here. You might be able to get together and perhaps shuttle horses... Were they starting out as well or had they no, been well established? they were more established than I was. Yeah. Uh, and it was a powerful concern and we were only sort of fledgling at that time. Mm. So I, d- I did what he suggested and I, in the middle of these negotiations, I slipped across to Ireland and uh, met up with uh, the people at Coolmore. Mm. And... Uh, We talked about shuttling to each other in the future, et cetera, and the last thing that happened was uh, John Magna, the part owner at the time but owner since, said, are you looking at anything at the moment? And I thought to myself, I didn't have a long time to think, I thought to myself, will I tell him or won't I tell him? I thought, yeah, I might as well tell him. We're going to be honest with each other if we might might do some business in the the future. So I said, yeah, I'm looking at a horse called Danehill Well, most of them at the table didn't know who Dane Hill was... ...because he wasn't by a fashionable sire in Europe at the time. Uh, And so they sort of looked it up a bit and they said, ''You really like him?'' I said, ''Look, I only think for Australia. I wouldn't know what works here... ...but I'm just telling you I think he's a horse that might work in Australia. So yes, we're moving on him.'' And then they rang up and said, ''Well, we wouldn't mind coming in with you.'' And that's how the thing was established. Yeah. Um,
0: and so, had you actually already bought a, bought him in his ut- entirety? Hadn't, so right. we
1: then together negotiated the purchase. Yep. Probably cost us a bit more because they were involved because they're known to have the, the cool more tax. I was a little yeah. Aussie battler, so <laughs> yeah. I wasn't known over there. So uh, so we bought the horse, and we agreed that we would shuttle back and forth. And and uh, with me was Dr. Percy Sykes, who's yep. a genius in his Very own in his own right yeah. and a famous vet. And he was a very close friend of mine and treated me a bit like a son. He was quite a bit older than me. And he was on the board of Arrowfield, And I took him over with me when we went. And uh, I said, Percy, this shuttling business, you know, what do you think? He said, well, look, there hasn't been a lot of experience with it. Nelson Bunker Hunt did it with New Zealand, a couple of horses with New Zealand. Uh, We don't know how the horses will react to shuttling back and forth, back and forth. But what we should do is after three or four years we should... Stop and have a look and see how it's going and, you know, talk to each other and yeah. and make a decision as to whether we continue or not sort of thing. So anyway, uh, what happened was that we had three years and uh, he, he was handling it well and mm. I asked my manager at the time, what do you think? He said the horse is in fine fettle, arrives well, travels well. He's a layback animal and so is a lot of his produce and that's part of their strength. Anyway, uh, so we went to about... Five years and I, I then said to them, look, this horse is doing massive things down here. He, was, mm. he went off here earlier than he did in Europe. Yes. Uh, we backed him with some of our better mares. And, and so he was starting the to The first throw. crop he yeah. started doing it. Yep. So um, I said by, by next year it'll have six double years. I think at that point I reckon we should give him a rest, either mm. here or there, wherever he's more successful. ...which looked like it was going to be here at that yeah. stage... ...although it yeah. became a great success in Europe subsequently. Mm. And uh, that, that was the sort of handshake we had with, uh, at that stage... ...the their farm manager, mm. you know, or the manager of the place. And the sixth year came along and they wanted to continue, you know, keep shuttling. And I thought, well, we agreed last year we'd give him a rest. I'm not moving him.
0: Mm.
1: And that's where it stood because we were joint managers... Uh, we aren't half the horse, more than half the horse. But the contract said that when he stood in Australia he would stand at Arafir. When he stood in Europe he'd stand at, in, at Kumo. And there was no talk about termination of the shuttle. It just wasn't mentioned. which is a weakness in the agreement. Yes. Uh, anyway, cut a long story short, uh, we got into a dispute over it. I just wanted to take the safe road. Um, they thought there was no reason to. And... Uh, so we ended up having to come do a private auction to get through it. I remember on Christmas Eve, Jack Ingham rang me, the late Jack Ingham. He said, ''Oh, Johnny, this is causing a real ripple here, you know. We don't want to get this on the international newspapers... ...that there's a fight between an Australian farm and a European farm. See if you can sort it out, mate, you know.'' And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I like Jack a lot and, uh, you know, I was close to him. And I thought, ''Oh...'' You know the pressure's coming on. I'll see if I can work this out. Came up with this idea, which is a mad idea, <laughs> that we should have a Dutch auction. You know,
0: and, and just a Dutch auction is a good and idea. John Maguire is one of the richest men in the world, yeah. right? So you're, yeah. yeah. You say let's and take, let's take on the richest <laughs> man in the world in a Dutch auction, okay? Yeah.
1: And never get into a Dutch auction unless you've got more money than the other guy. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a that's another rule that I've learned, which I haven't had to use. Take note, everyone. <laughs> so uh, anyway. We used uh, Sir Lawrence Street who was, you know, uh, an eminent uh, judge Mm. um, as a sort of middleman, and we paid him a fee and at the end of it he said, gee, I wish I would have charged on a percentage basis. (laughs) I would have got a very big earn out of this. But Sir Lawrence sat in the middle and we each had a room in his rooms and we each bid according to a plan that Sir Lawrence came up with and they got to... What had happened is before that... Uh, so Lawrence said, you must both tell me your financial capacity yeah. in terms of this auction.
0: No credit. <laughs> no credit allowed here.
1: I want to know that it's going to get settled. So I went and begged, borrowed, did everything I could, called in a few mates and my bank and everybody. Fat in the we bank account. Yeah. We put together about equivalent to $23 million, yeah. which I thought I'd never have to use, but I, yeah. in case. And, uh, of course, I owned half the horse, so it's not... I, ...the Outlay wouldn't have been 23, it would have been half that, 12, yeah. 11 yeah. and a half. And, uh, and I didn't know what they what capacity they had, but I suspected it would be more than that. But I never, in my wildest dreams, thought they'd go beyond 15 million dollars. So you
0: thought we'll get it, you were going to go to 15, yeah, and you, you thought we'll get him for sure, yeah, yeah.
1: So we start the bidding and we get to 15, and they go beyond <laughs> that, and then you know, and I kept going, they kept going, we got to 23. And Sir Lawrence said, you've got one more shot, John. So I knew Sir Lawrence yeah. uh, socially, you know. Yeah. So, so we put in one more bid and then they came straight back on top of it wow. and I was out of cash, that was out it. of gas. And so uh, the, the game was over. He was, in my mind, uh, he was one of the most important things to happen to me. Mm. We'd done all the work, all the, all the work. The desktop study had all been done in Sydney... ...and we'd come up with the idea and it was heart-wrenching to let mm. him go... ...because from day one, well, first crop he got his... He got a golden slipper winner, Dan Zero, Second crop, another golden slipper flying winner spur. with Flying Spur. Yeah. And we'd bred them all and oh, it was just... ...honestly, it was a treasure trove for us as a yeah. breeder. And
0: uh, So you would have been incredibly downcast, I presume?
1: Well, I walked back to back to the Arrowfield office from, from Sir St. Lawrence uh, Street's rooms... ...which I think were in Macquarie Street, if my memory serves me right... And I said, I said, we've lost the Holy Grail here. Right. And they all said, John, we're going to have all this cash. Think of what we could do with it. I said, we've lost the Holy Grail. We're not bankers, we're breeders and we've lost the Holy Grail. And I turned yeah. out to be right because yeah. the horse went on to do fantastic things yeah. uh, in Australia and then in Europe. They sort of cottoned on to it in Europe mm. and he did brilliantly in Europe. But he died early. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: which, which maybe is, maybe had something to do with the shuttling. We yeah. don't know. Who knows? But
1: yeah. uh, it was bad luck for them that he did die early. But they did very well out of it. And yeah. uh, I was a turning point in my life. Rich, I thought, you know what, this might be a this might be a sign that I should get out here. I, that's how shattered I was. Really? Wow. Yeah. And there was a, f- there were a few months while I thought that way, and then I thought, no, I'm going, no, I'm not going to cop this. I'm yeah. going to fight back. And I took the view that if he was going to be the dominant stallion that I thought he was going to be, then his sons could probably be stallion yes. prospects too. I would go about collecting his best two or three sons, early sons, mm. and that's that kind. And then that's how I bought back into Dan Zero and I secured Flying Spur, mm. uh, and ultimately reduced Choice. Yeah, I followed that that path. Yeah, and I think I think all the sort of uh, sadness. Uh, and regret has passed because we've been able to fight back and, uh, you know, uh, survive without him.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's start to move through some of those horses because a lot of the horses that have given Arrowfield so much success are sons of Daniel or yeah. granddaughters of Daniel or that kind of yeah. thing. So let's talk about Flying Spur. So let's watch Flying Spur in the Golden Slipper. Can you remember, was it 1994? Yeah,
1: Barrier One. See him on the inside at the back there? Yeah. Barrier One. Still got plenty of work yeah. to do. Oh, yeah.
0: And I should know this was Bossy on board. Bossy was on, Bossy board board on board because
1: the night before was the jockey tapes revelations. Wow! And Cassidy had to be stood down. Wow! That's and huge. when I didn't uh, Cassidy that. got stood down, we had Bossy on. And I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, he he he. There he goes to win, and there goes Otago on the outside, yeah. owned by our mates. Yeah, the and, Inghams. Yeah, and they had a share in Arrowfield too, by the way. Yeah, right. Uh, the Inghams, yeah. you know, in the company. Yeah, and. Uh, and they didn't know whether to so smile or yeah. <laughs> not or cry, but uh, two, a pair of good horses when it yeah, the board brilliant, brilliant Yeah, brilliant, brilliant horses. Yeah.
0: Um, and so th- it was the Freedman's, the, the Freedman Brothers Incorporated were right in the middle of all of this. Yeah. This is probably when they were at their peak or onto their peak. Yeah. We've had Richard Friedman in for a podcast and he talks very fondly of these days. Yeah. Um, and so did you, was he, um, did Arrowfield always own Flying Spur or did you? I'll tell you what
1: happened. Uh we sold Danzira Lee Friedman uh, for a very cheap price. Is this at the sale of the century? Yeah, 55 yeah. grand I think it was, Yeah, which was peanuts. Um, and uh, and he, he syndicated him to a few guys, good guys too. I got to know all of them. We became quite good friends. And I sat next to them during the Golden Slipper. I was so excited we had a starter, Daniel. Yeah. Had a starter in the Slipper. And the horse won and I said, look, guys, I've got a, I'm going to stand this horse. Come on. I'll have to buy him. So I... Uh, I bought the horse uh, for a big multiple of $55,000 but he was now a different item. He'd won the slipper. And that was great. A year later I've got this great colt, Flying Spur... ...who I'd been watching at the farm since he was a foal. Tremendously uh, athletic, masculine, oh, good sort, great sort, alert... ...really king of the paddock sort of thing and... I thought to myself, you know what I should do? I should ring those guys up and say to them, they should buy this. They had mm. last year's winner. And if they do buy it, I'll go in with them. Right. I'll, I'll We'll have a piece of it. Mm. So I, I met, met with them at Double Bay, at a coffee shop at Double Bay, I'll, I'll never forget. And I said, now look you guys, you, you've done brilliantly out of the first. This one now is a beauty. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you should buy it. What do you think it's going to cost? I said, it's going to cost... 150, 160, 170. And it was going through the ring at the end yeah, sales? Yeah, going through the ring yeah. a couple of days later, a few days later. And they said, oh, gee. <laughs> you know, three times the last one. I said, but mate. <laughs> You've got to go the, and slip the stallion, stallion winner, Yeah, yeah. we've got a winner here. Anyway, they decided that the last, you know, before the sale that they wouldn't. So I thought, you know what I'll do? I'm going to get a team of people together. So I rang around, got a few friends together and I said, Lee, if you buy this horse I can put him away... And by the way, my wife will have 10% of it, 11% of it, mm. and Arrowfield will have 20 or something percent of it as well. But the rest of it, I've got people that'll take the lot. Right. Yeah. So, what do you want me to pay? I said, oh, it's 160, 180. It's it's going to be about that price. That's what yeah. I thought at the time. Anyway, he paid something around there. Yeah. And so I had then secured that horse into yeah. the future as a stallion prospect. Yeah. Because I had my own friends in there. Yes. And uh, Arrowfield had 20 or 25 percent, if I remember. Yeah. So that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, great. Now, uh, and from there on we had a bit of fun. Um, Before the big days came, the horse was hard to handle because he was very robust, a bit headstrong, you know, type, sort of boss of the paddock. And uh, Lee said, oh, this horse is, you know, he's a handful. Uh, What about, you know, thing of gelding? And I remember bossy (laughs) being in there. And I said, there's more chance of gelding you than there is of gelding this <laughs> one. I'm telling you, forget it. Anyway, uh, it turned out – it turned out – Do you know what well. price he and was Bossy's in... got that in his book, by the way. He? He's put that in his book, that t- that particular conversation. Yeah.
0: yeah. Do you know what price Flying Spur was in that slipper? You remember?
1: I'm thinking around 15 Yeah, so
0: it wasn't, it wasn't in the market. Yeah, no. no, it
1: wasn't in the market because he was out for a spell and he'd been looked at uh, three or four weeks before the slipper – and he looked so good, mm. Lee said. I think we can bring this horse back. Yeah, give him a trial and run him in the slipper, mm. and uh, that's that's what that's what we did. Well, he went.
0: So it was a, he was a very successful stallion. Did he win a, a premier He won a size premiership one year, didn't he? Flying Spur,
1: did he? Uh, flying Spur, yeah, yeah. He did win a size, yeah. size premiership, and he was a good a good stallion, uh, very very good stallion. Um, yeah, no, he turned out to be a good stallion, and Colt Sand Phillies, he was good.
0: Yeah. Now, one horse you probably like to talk about is Alberta. And what I want to talk about, Alberta, quickly is to set the scene is talk about the theme of the underdog, right? Yeah. So, Alberta was, got passed in for $20,000 at the sales. But what I also want to talk about is, so me and the other boys here, especially this guy here with the mullet. So, in 1996, we were at Sydney Boys High School and we had a very good rugby union team. And um, in the preseason, season we um, swept all before us. I wasn't actually in the yep. team, I should disclose that. Um, I wasn't brave enough nor talented enough. But we swept all before us and we were the favourites to win the GPS competition.
1: I remember all the games, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so very first round we up against Ignatius and we knew they were not bad. They had, they had a big outside centre, I think he was. And yeah. you know, we got to the day <laughs> and we went out in the field and unfortunately right from the get-go it didn't go well. I've got 25 seconds of footage from YouTube just to set really? the scene. So the, the big outside centre was called Paul Masara, yeah. And... There you go. I'm sure you would have been here. Yeah. Here we go. Defense is very much lacking. <laughs> scored three tries, your son. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this hit. Bang.
1: He could tackle hard. He could run hard. And I
0: got, there's one more run here. Here he goes. And they, yeah, that was it. They they smashed us, and that was the end of our title dreams. And you guys went on to win it. Yeah, and you uh, unbeaten for the season. And you, I've met you in the past, and you said that one of your sporting highlights was watching that team that year win. I, yeah. I
1: got so much enjoyment out of that. Yeah, uh, brings tears to my eyes. Absolutely fantastic. I went to that school as well, uh-huh. and all the grandchildren, the boys are all going there. So there was a, a connection with the college, and uh, they were a great team of boys. They. There'd never been a team before that had gone through winning every game. There yeah. had been premiers that had won games but also drawn games. This team, I think, was the team of the century. You know, they yeah. never had as good a team as that. Yeah. Every player was outstanding in his own position. Yeah. And, gee, they were hard to beat. Yeah. And they had a great spirit, uh, good coaching and the whole thing... Uh, that video with, is with my compliments. I got a bloke to video every game. Did you? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um yeah, very cool. And um anyway, so Paul's gone on to become a, a trainer. Yeah. And um why don't we quickly watch Alberta. This isn't the Coolmore Coolmore classic. So was it you couldn't sell out of the yearling sales, the best no. bid you got was twenty thousand, then obviously you gave it to Paul. Yeah. And here you can see him ambling up. Group one win for Paul.
1: Good field, Yeah. Up and hit the lead in the Kuma, sprinted away from then that would have been pretty special? One, very, very Palacio good. and what and was even early, more special was was running LA. third in the July Cup. yes, which made a champion older female sprinter of Europe. Yeah. How about yeah. that? Yeah, Passed in. Couldn't give her away. Yeah. Tried like hell to sell her to, after the sale. Yeah, and people said, "Oh, mate, you know, front legs and this, that, and the other." They found any, every reason not to buy. her. Yeah, but she turned out. She did a great job with it, Paul. It turned yeah. out to be a good filly. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So that was a bit of fun. I thought you'd yeah. enjoy that. Yeah,
0: All right, so let's let's move on to Reduce Choice, which is obviously, you know, what, what's given Arrowfield so much success over certainly over the last sort of twenty years or so. So um, I was doing my research and bringing myself back up to speed on um, Reduce Choice and it won a Group 1 in its second start. My first question is how much did you know about Redute's Choice before it, it had even
1: raced? I knew a fair bit. I'll yeah. tell you why. Because uh, first of all, I was the underbidder on his mother.
0: Okay, Shantha's Choice.
1: Yeah. yeah, I was at the Melbourne uh, at the Melbourne Sales, I was the underbidder and I, uh, and I went and saw Lee Friedman... ...and said, who's bought this? And he said, oh, Mr Yassine. I said, I'd like to meet him. So I went up to meet him and I said, gee, I think this filly's got a great pedigree. Mm. I'm, uh, you know, I'm disappointed mm. I didn't buy it... ...but good luck with it, sort of thing. And uh, so that was the first first yep. touch base. And then uh, when... Uh, she was only a minor winner, by the way. A minor winner in Melbourne. Uh, one in the bush okay. somewhere. Yep. She, she wasn't hugely talented. But when um, when it came to mate her mr Yassine got uh, david moody i think it was at the time to ring me to try and get her into dane hill mm. dane hill was pretty full at the time and they said oh is there any chance we can get the mare into dane hill i said "Well, oh, gee it's a bit late in the year but look i'll 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 find a way of fitting her in mm-hmm. so we fitted her in so that's my second touch with with her yeah. right uh, so i felt I felt involved. With, I wasn't involved but I felt involved. Yeah. And uh, and then when uh, it came out to race, in a listed race a week before the Blue Diamond, I was so impressed with its performance. What a tough animal it was. And I rang up the trainer, Rick Horlacey, yes. to see what he was going to do with the horse because obviously he wasn't going to back him up in the Blue Diamond. <laughs> Couldn't be possible. Sure enough he said I'm yeah. running him next Saturday in the Blue yeah. Diamond. He was some tough horse that horse. Yeah. He could cop anything. Yeah. Really Oh, You could yeah. break bricks on him. Yeah. Uh anyway, but a kind horse in every other way. Just tough. Mm. Tough, tough course. competitor. And he ran him and uh, the rest is history. He won, yeah. yeah so fantastic.
0: why because as the story goes apparently we're going to watch the Corfield guineas in a second yeah. but the the um you, bought a, oh, a half share in him after the Caulfield Guineas. Did you make any advances after the Blue Diamond or anything? I was, you, I,
1: was had, I, I was, I was around. Right. So you had you just he, he he races horses on his own essentially, Mister Yassine. Okay. And I didn't want to make a pest of myself. Yes. Okay. But I stayed I stayed within cooey of, 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 of the horse and the trainer etc. Mm. And uh, I listened to the Caulfield Guineas in France.
0: Why don't I stop you right yeah. there? And so Jimmy Cassidy was in the same chair as you. And I played this to him, and actually elicited a lot of emotion out of him. You can. We'll just listen to listen to Pumper as he recounts the ride in the Corfield Guineas. Right. Who's, yeah. Ollie, who's Ollie on? There's Ollie. Oh, sorry, Ollie's on Testarossa. Testarossa. Yeah. yeah, he's back. back the fence. Yeah. new. yeah. He's a great days. There's Diatribe back, and then I won a Corfield Cup on him. He's in the same race. Right, so where we're about? We've just gone. What are we at? The six hundred or something, probably.
1: Yeah, just coming to the corner.
0: So, are you leading?
1: Yeah, I'm leading. Yeah, you're leading. And Tester Ross is on the fence. And that I led. Yeah, but he's hanging.
0: Right. So you left. You left the rail, which he's gave, so gave Tessa so really Ross the thing. he hung out. That, yeah. And here you're in I'm
1: a bit gone. of front. I'm gone. Bit of front, so Ross just Allah's goes bang.
0: You're gone, Pumper. It's over. You can't win. Come on, big boy. Get up. Come on, Pumper. Yeah. Get up. Get up. What a win. I've got goosebumps watching it. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so that's the Caulfield Guinea. So, obviously, a stallion-making race. And sorry to cut you off, but, yeah, what, what, what happened then? I believe you are in France. Is that I was in
1: France uh, with a friend of mine, Alan Jones. Yep. And and had another mate of ours, John Lever, there. Mm. And we owned a lot of the horses together, a few of the horses together, you know, Uh and uh, Miss Finland, for example, has owned three ways. And John Lever said, I'm not staying up for the, for the Caulfield Guineas. I said, we're staying up. We're not going to miss this. And we got someone in the office to put it on the phone, you know, and uh, so we, we heard it.
0: Yep. Couldn't see, just heard it. Yeah, it was a, yeah. it was a
1: weekend, obviously, but I got yeah. one of the kids in the office that said, look, I'm going to be calling you at this time. Yeah. I got, put, a, put the phone... Put the phone near the radio and let me listen to this. Anyway, and got world up back then. and I turned yeah. around. And I said, "Mate, I'm going home to buy this. Yeah. I can't take any more of yeah, it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, it, I was. We were destined to have it, right? Yeah. If you know what I mean. We're yeah. destined to have it. We we're underbidders on the mare. We got the service uh, for the client, uh, and and people thought we were crazy, of course, because we already had Danzera and Flying yeah. Spur. What do you want a third by the same size? But you can't have too much of a good thing. Remember yeah, that one? Yeah,
0: yeah. And w- did you anticipate how successful Reducts would be? Or no? Well, I was.
1: He had everything. He had speed. He had tenacity. He had a very layback attitude generally. So he never expended any energy before races. He had a lot of things going for him, and he was a terrific. He was a physical Adonis. When, when I saw this I thought, well, that's it. I, I just, you know, he's mm. won the Blue Diamond on his second start a week after his first. He's won the Caulfield, Guineas in a good field where he was in a hopeless situation. A gone. Mm. That was pure, just pure guts there. Mm. And I thought yeah. – and he's got a pedigree from heaven. Yeah. So that was enough for me.
0: And you could, you only bought 50% of him.
1: Well, the only way to do it was to buy 50% yeah. because um, that's all he wanted to do. Yes. And I've got to say in his favour... Mr Yossi, that having bought 50% and sh- shaken hands, but we had to have an agreement signed everything else, somebody offered him more money after that. Wow. And he stuck to his yeah. commitment to me, which I regard as very, really important.
0: And did he stay in 50% for its whole all, the whole way through? It was always All his life. Wow.
1: And he did very well out of the association yeah. and we did our best for him and the horse ended up being a multiple champion. You yeah, know, you know. And, and, and now he's a great... Sire of Brudemere's, you know, and Sire of Sires. Yeah, so why don't we talk
0: – we're reminded of what a good Sire of Sire is on Saturday... ...with arguably the best horse in Australia, Giga Kick by Scissor Kick... ...which is a yeah. son of Redute's choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, you must be pretty happy to see people on it. Scissor Kick's moved on from you guys, but... Well,
1: he's not been much of a stallion Scissor Kick. I mean, that's the only – Giga Kick's the only horse he's had mm. of any value... ...but what a horse he's given us. Yeah. You
0: know? quick, quick question, if you could own I Wish I Win or... Um, Giga Kick, just for racing purposes, which they probably are. Which would oh. too hard a question to answer. Hard, hard question. Yeah,
1: but I'd probably stick with Giga Kick because uh, he's a young fella on the on the make, and I think he'll continue to improve.
0: Mm. Another question: um, If you owned Animo, would you be sending him to Royal, Royal Ascot?
1: <laughs> oh well. It's not my, my job to tell sit on the, fence? the best racing uh, <laughs> operation in, in the world... And, ...and Australia how to run their business. Okay, so no. you, yeah, you don't want to answer that one, I would, I, I would uh, you know, everyone's got views on those things... ...but uh, he's a great horse, he's done really well. Yeah. Uh, you'd love to see Australian horses take on the Europeans... ...but you've also got to be sensible about future stud duties... ...and that sort of thing, so mm. they'll, I'm sure they'll make the right decision.
0: Yeah. Um, Alright, let's move to one of the best horses that reduces Choice... Produced, Miss Finland, obviously a, a, a very special horse to you. Um, so I read that you said it was the horse that you just had to have or you had to keep. Yeah. Why don't we, let's quickly watch, this is in her winning your race, the Arafil, um Stakes. Um, the stakes. Right, Miss she wear down Tuesday Joy, and then just Tuesday Joy well they're the very answer. good horse. So great horse won the golden slipper, won the oaks, golden, yeah. did very well yeah, stood, at wait for age yeah so, so you yeah, tell us about the story behind her oh,
1: well she she was owned in a partnership, a lot of our mayors are owned in partnerships with international people mm-hmm. and part of the deal is uh, to sell the produce in the sales every year in the best sales you can enter them mm-hmm. every year, and either party can buy the other out if they want to it, it, yeah. It's a way of cleaning up the, the, the business, you know. You don't hold on to anything. The mayor's there, she has a foal, you put it in the market. They want to buy it, they do. We want to buy it, we do. But the market will discern what price yeah. it is. Otherwise you sell it to the third party and that's the end of it. And most of them get sold to third parties. Mm. This one was a bit special because she had uh, the most extravagant walk you've ever seen. And we go a little bit on the walk, on the action... Mm-hmm. And she had a, a great pedigree and uh, she was by the right stallion and I I was sitting in the stand with, uh, behind the auctioneer with my two mates that, uh, that we race a few horses with and I said, look, I'm going to have to buy this. Yeah. <laughs> they said, oh, if you think you want to. I said, I'm going to have to buy it. I don't care what it fetches. We're yeah. going to have to buy it. Yeah. And I think, I can't remember, I think it fetched. Four fifty 450, yeah. 450 or something yeah. like that. Which was and Redu's
0: choice job. was just starting to boom then, wasn't? Yeah. It? Had a lot yeah. of good horses, so you had to pay a bit for it. We yeah. paid a bit for it. Yeah.
1: Um, and and the rest is history because I rang David Hayes. And I said, "You're coming back to Australia from from Hong Kong? I got the horse that'll make you tongue in cheek, of course. Yeah. I've got the horse that'll make you. You better come to Airfield and have a look at it." So if came over yeah. uh, on his next visit to Sydney, and we had. Lunch with him at the start and I said, well that's the filly, I, you know... I, ...I think it's going to be, could be very good. Yeah. Uh, do you want her? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll have <laughs> her. thank you very much. Yeah. And I've always pulled his leg that we got him back in business up yeah. there... Yeah. ...as soon as he returned from Hong Kong. And um, he did a fantastic job with her. Uh, to win the Golden Slipper and the 2500 metre mm. VRC Oaks within a six month period... Were you on course for the VRC Oaks? Oh yeah, I yeah. didn't miss any of the races. And that's when
0: Flemington was at its peak. It was it was really busy back then, oh, wasn't yeah. it? That was something else. Yeah. Uh,
1: Singer was certain he was going to win with with his mare, and it was a uh, you know, yeah, we were jibing each other. So yeah. it was a bit of fun. But uh, she she was something very special. Mm. And she's yeah. been a Group One producer now. She's produced a good daughter who itself is producing steak sauces. Yeah, now. and is she
0: st- is she still producing Miss Finland, or is she yeah. getting a bit old now?
1: And and. I love her so much I called the last one. We haven't ever, we've never sold a daughter. Uh-huh. There's no point. We're breeders. Yeah. We've got to keep a daughter of yeah. those sort of cornerstone mares. So we've never sold a daughter and this particular daughter that she now... ...is a two year old of this year, we've called Miracle of Love. Okay. Lovely. Miracle of Love. <laughs> uh, that's because we love her so much, yeah. the mother. And, uh, and Paul's going to train her. She's by done deal. Beautiful. Yeah. And hasn't had a start yet though. No, she's a baby and being a done deal, we probably won't push her. Philly's won a bit more time than Colts. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: let's move on to Snitzel. So Snitzel's an interesting one um, because you probably had to get in there and fight to get this one. Yeah. So once again, when when did Snitzel come on your radar?
1: Well, he, he he won or placed in a lot of good races. And in some cases where he got, you know, I thought he was unfairly treated. So that, you know, he, he got beaten a couple of times where I thought he could have won. Mm. So he was on the radar as a yep. very fast, yes, very, very fast son of Redoods, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, and um, so when he won his Group 1, which yeah. is kind of what you need to do today... ...to attract other customers. You might send all your own mares. If a horse hasn't won a Group 1 but you believe in it, you'll back it yourself... ...but you may not get third party mares. Yeah. So winning a Group 1 is a help. From the marketing point of view yeah but Shall i we... thought he was a good enough horse anyway
0: i can show that this is the oakley plate he won yeah. there's a great the field behind Blake, yeah. him and he just yeah. goes to the lead and yeah. i was there that day in.
1: because it was blue diamond <laughs> day and it was an absolute bog that day by the way the
0: fortunes under a lot of pressure to fortune good horse michael yeah. sullivan it, yeah. Didn't he? takeover
1: <laughs> yeah but it was really heavy track
0: yeah then take over the target proprietor of what's the mile. or so did, this this, the this sprang you into action did it this it, it, yep. it has to win a group 1 doesn't Snitzel it you can't you yeah. can't take him to start i have been
1: talking to Gerald Ryan to the, the trainer person, about it for a little while point. yep you know and uh, I then approached uh, the owner which was Dam- Damien Flower owned it Damien yeah flower at the time yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: got him going in racing
1: yeah and uh, paid him a, a, a good price Yeah. i think we bought 50 and we subsequently he chose to sell more and more equity as time mm-hmm. went on, and we either bought it or put it with in the hands of other friends and mm. investors. And so we've ended up with you know the majority of the equity mm. over the time, mm. and that's that's worked out really well. He's been a great stadium. he's won four championships now. Yeah, and he's a perennial. He just keeps on doing it, doesn't
0: it? And when Redoots passed away, he became the king of Arrowfield, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah, side Sy- that can't do better than Syrah Sy- Golden Slipper winner this. No, it was lovely. Yeah, just gone. Yeah, um, I'm. Very high on Shinzo, I think he's really impressive. Just the way he's lightly raced and coming up, I can't wait to see him in the spring. Yeah. Like, I, I'd love to see them run him, him for in for an him Everest, me. but I don't know I'm, if that'll happen.
1: Yeah, It's hard to tell, isn't it? He, he's, uh, they saved him for, for the spring by not continuing with him and I think that's probably a yeah. good, thing. Probably yeah. good thing, you know? Yeah.
0: Um, all right, so the final horse we're going to talk about is the Autumn Sun. And it's, it was described to me as the culmination that everything Arrowfield strives to do Can you tell me, expand on that a
1: little bit? Well, the Autumn Sun is a very special horse to us. Mm. And I'm super confident about his future. Overly confident. Mm -hmm. Because we know it's a bit of a lottery. Mm. And uh, you can tick off all the boxes and still fail. But he ticks the boxes too easily. He was a great athlete. He's a terrific physical. He's got unbelievable blood. Mm. Uh, He's got terrific temperament he doesn't lack a thing he's by a prepotent sire there's just nothing he's by the greatest sire around here for the last 15 years reduced choice mm-hmm. 15 20 years out of a mere by the greatest sire maybe of all time galileo mm. so you know from a great family mm. that's reproduced another sire so just so, let,
0: let's watch his i think this is his best win um, yeah oh, just like <laughs> Ragged, so here he is now. Is end, coming into sort of three wide in the and red and green. The at the and then the afterburners kick in here. Ooh. <laughs> so did you, did you have a share
1: in him at this yeah. stage? Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I bought our 50% share... On the Wednesday. oh, before. Registered on the Thursday. We're in the papers. We're in the ownership papers for the Saturday. And he won this for us first race.
0: J-Mac on board?
1: J-Mac, yeah. Well, J-Mac, you know, sort of got him to do what he wanted. Uh, the alternative approach was to be where he wanted to be, which is out the back and come home. You know, he could do anything, mm. actually.
0: And Chris Waller trained. So was that the first time Waller had trained uh, for you, or yeah, you? Yeah, it was.
1: It was. No, he... What happened is with Hermitage, who owned the horse, were getting a lot of offers. Yes, and uh, they sort of established a tender process. We had to put in an offer. Yep. Another uh, Dutch Dutch auction, or (laughs) I don't know, but uh, anyway, I managed to persuade them that they should that we were the natural home for him. Yeah, we had his mum, we had his dad, we had his granddad. Mm. We we were completely involved with the whole family. And that we. So you had, were very determined to get him. Very determined. Yeah. I, I was, you know, and out of it has come a good relationship with the other owners now, uh, and uh, he's just about to bear fruit because yeah. he's only had nine starters and four or five place getters and yeah, so all before winners, a couple it. of stakes so horses. His even. first
0: horses have just hit the track in the he's last couple of months. He's on his way. Yeah. yeah, wonderful, wonderful. All right, well, um, that was a, that was a good part pathway through the arrowfield story you've also done a lot of stuff in administration and regulation in racing won't talk about it too much but one thing i didn't find interesting when i was in a couple of your previous podcasts was that you said that you were involved back sort of let's say about 10 years ago racing new south wales knew that they needed to do better um, in terms of promoting our product and stuff victoria was streets ahead of us obviously the spring carnival And since then, obviously, we've made a huge amount of um, ground on Victoria, which is fantastic. Obviously, it's a well-documented subject. Everyone's got their opinions. But what I'm interested in is, did you have much to do with the the idea generation of the Everest?
1: No. Okay. Other than I gave Peter at the time the American version.
0: Yes, which was called the Pegasus or something? The Pegasus. And I
1: said, have a look at this. There may be a way we can use this concept. It's not working there uh, as well as it should. Mm. The way things are looking, mm. and then I left in two thousand and sixteen. I was there from eleven to sixteen, and it was developed after that yep. fully, without me ha- be having too much involvement at, yeah. it at all. At all, yeah. Obviously, done a great job with they've it. Done a good job, yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, what do you, what do you think about the great game overall? It's obviously in pretty good shape.
1: It's in good shape. Um, I think there are things that we can refine uh, overall. Yep. Um, the total prize money pool is great. Uh, we're up to 890 million Australia-wide, mm. which is enormous. There's more than $80 million races. It's still uh, a tough gig uh, to be an owner mm. in terms of returns to owners for the average owner. It looks better than it is because when you take the valuable races and you average it out, the returns to owners look good. But there's only 80 of those and... Uh, Majority, great majority of owners can't cover their training costs yes. annually, mm. and so I'm for spreading out a bit more, mm. uh, and that can, that can come, you know, that uh, that can come. Um, other than that, uh, and of course, I'm, I'm for unity, uh, Australia-wide unity. Yeah, I'm disappointed that yeah. I've not been able to because you were you were help.
0: sort of you were. Um, was a, an independent director yeah, of the I, racing I was australia first, first independent yeah director ever and you couldn't sort it out unfortunately i didn't
1: make an inch in, t- in 11 months or 10 months and stood aside and said look maybe you should find somebody else because i can't make any ground so there is this long-standing uh sort of antipathy between the two states uh and that's got to be sorted out yeah uh, it, it's you know we've got to take an adult view on all this forget the past and take a blank piece of paper and Chart forward, you know, because mm. the, can, the, the whole be game's been be
0: lifted. Up. So the, the sort of you could call it, I'll call it, healthy competition between the two states. I think it's brought the game up a lot. And as a punter, and I'm right in the middle of the of all the other punters, like the racing. Some of these days where you just got incredible racing in Melbourne, incredible racing in New South Wales. It's so good. That's from my point of view. I think yeah. it's great. I just, yeah, I don't yeah, have a problem the, with it at the, all. The
1: only thing is this that I think racing, like any sport, should be a meritocracy. Mm. The best yeah. should should emerge on the top. When you have the two guineas on the same day, you can't possibly have the best horses of that age group, of that class, against each other. All Mm. the best trainers, all the best jockeys. It's separating the best horses and therefore you don't get those that level of competition that you're seeking in any sport. Yeah. Like it's a grand final. At the end of the day, the Rugby League grand final will tell us who the best team is, you know? Yeah, no, I agree Uh, with that. If... If you split that in two, you have a think about what that does. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're doing to some extent. And I think there's ways and means of cooperating with each other and and getting an outcome, uh, a better outcome than that. But it has fired up mm. racing in both places. Uh, also, of course, it can mean that uh, you don't get the optimum sort of allocation of funds because you've got this competition and sometimes – you know, one state will go higher than it should on some race and when in fact there's a paucity of money for prize money when most people are losing significantly on their training costs, let alone the mm. cost of purchasing a horse. Mm. So those dollars have to be garnered carefully and mm. spread correctly mm. to try and Better maximise the return for people, you know. Yeah. so you can. They're the sort of thing that come out of this, uh, this uh, current conflict. But look surely I think they'll get together at some stage and mm. sort it out and I hope it's sooner rather than later.
0: Um, I'm deep in the world of punters and often I see punters say that breed the breeding industry sh- should pay more by way of a stallion tax or things like that. What would be your response to that well, that's, kind of stuff?
1: That's a crazy uh, story because if you're a punter or if you're, if you're in any other uh, sector of the industry, you would know that the breeders and the owners make the biggest investment. Mm. And the bre- 60% of the – sorry, 6% of the uh, horses are owned by breeders. So they are the biggest investors. When they make that investment, they don't know what return they're going to get. No one's forcing you to punt. Mm. On a Saturday, all the work's been done. It's all there for you. You can choose to punt or not punt. But we have to build farms, paddocks, buildings. There are billions of dollars invested in both breeding and racing the horses – and the returns, I can tell you, are not much better than bank interest.
0: Mm. Trust me. Yeah. And some of the biggest punters in Australia are at the yearling sales, which was just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they bet pretty big at the yearling sales buying horses. A lot of money goes down and often they're losing bets. So,
1: and they're yeah. owners. So yeah. the owners and breeders, and quite often they're the same party, as mm. I say, 61% of horses are owned, or owned by breeders. Mm. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So I'm against any... I'm against any uh, punishment of breeders in terms of financial punishment I'm talking about because it's a falsity to think that it, actually the returns are very high. Yeah. Overall they're not. You get the odd one where you get a million dollar horse sold or two million dollar horse mm. sold but if you didn't have that, I mean, you'd give up just mm. about because mm. the returns are very low. A spread over the investment you've got to make.
0: Mm. Does it happen a bit that some of the biggest studs in the world will go in and buy, spend up on their own stallions as a bit of a reward system for, for breeders and stuff to keep those big prices coming in? Does that...? In
1: the marketplace? Yeah. Yearlings? Yeah like,
0: yeah, like you yeah, see the they, big... they go in. Of course yeah. they do. And as a, as a sort of a, a <clears throat> bit of a payback. Also,
1: they're securing a f- potentially a future sure. stallion in yeah. the process. Yeah. They're not going to tear up that money. They're buying sons of, etc. in the hope that that horse will, mm. will, will, will turn into a stallion himself, you know? Mm. Um, ...I'll I'm, I'm, be looking at the moment for sons of Dundeal and sons of uh, Autumn Sun... Mm. ...believing that they'll be the future stallions around the place... ...and I'd like to have a stake.
0: And is Arrowfield as active <coughs> as ever... ...or like trying to find the next NHL and next Redoots choice? We
1: are. We're not strong in the market for yearlings. Uh, yep. Colts, yearling Colts. Mm. Uh, the view we've taken in the last few years is we'll let someone make a Colt into a champion... And then we'll pay the premium that we have to pay to get the horse yeah. rather than yeah. spread ourselves into the marketplace as well. But we're always looking worldwide for, yeah. the, for the next stallion. We're doing a lot of a lot of study, a lot of research to see if we can turn one up.
0: Because yeah, the idea is to buy a horse out of a market that other people aren't looking into. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing yeah. that all the time. Yeah. They're hard to find. And what might be interesting too, just quickly, is that I also heard that you said you guys thought you might have been – one of the first people to keep a database for breeding way back in the 1980s and stuff.
1: Well, I came. I was a financial analyst, so I, I'm used to analysis, and we used that kind of analysis uh, when we were looking at the various sons of Northern Dancer to determine which one we would look at. So, for example, now today that's second nature to everybody. The information is readily available, but in the 80s. Uh, ...it wasn't as easy and, it, mm. you know, you'd have to know where to look. You could find it. and to look at the number of stakes winners a horse had had, had had... ...versus the number of runners he'd had... ...and analyse all the projects in a proper way. And we did that and that's how we arrived at Danzig and ultimately mm. Dane Hill. Mm. It was a desktop analysis, a desktop study. As you might do if you're looking at a company. Before you actually go out and meet the executives and see whether you like the company... ...you, mm. you, you, you know, you, you say, look, I like this industry... I'm going to look at all the companies in the industry, I'll analyse their balances, their P&Ls, their activities, their history and then I'll go out and meet the people if, if there's one that I'm particularly interested in. Mm. And that's exactly the way we treated the analysis on, on, uh, on Dane Hill.
0: And is statistics and analysis a huge part of breeding now, is it? It is, very yeah. much so. Yeah. And
1: I, they mean a lot to me. Yes. I like to see uh, also now you can actually get stats to tell you whether a stallion improves his mares. <coughs> or whether he actually doesn't, and uh, and whether he improves his mares when he when his quality of his mares improve uh, get better, does he continue to improve his mares? In other words, <coughs> what what response do you get to better mares to stallions? Some with some stallions' case, it doesn't make a lot of difference. In other horses, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and these are the sort of nuances that you're looking for to to pluck out fish out a horse that you might that nobody else has maybe seen. Yeah, yeah,
0: very much it's like we easy. do with that. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not a bit like punting, I suppose. Very much like punting, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And final question. Um, so I don't know if you saw, but the federal government is having an inquiry into online wagering and um, they were a lot of the bookies were down in Canberra last week. Did you, are you sort of across that? What I'm trying to say is I am a bit concerned that ...the federal government even go too hard against the wagering industry... ...which will then have an impact on the funding of racing, greyhound, yep, racing trots... Yep, ...and that kind yep. of stuff. You know, you would be a good person to ask... Uh, ...is there a bit of talk about that, if, you know, other people that you've been speaking to... ...are people a bit worried?
1: <laughs> i am i don't speak all that much. I speak to people like TAB and TABCOR and those sort of people. I don't speak uh, to many of the uh, corporate book bookmakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, I think we might be doing ourselves a disservice by having too much advertising... Mm. ...at critical times of, you know, wagering, at gambling advertising. Yep. And in the end sectors of society are going to rebel on that. They're going to go and, and stir the government up and I mm. think that's what's happened. Uh, so
0: you've got grandchildren, right? Does it frustrate you if you're watching the footy with them... ...and you're bombarded by, by gambling it, ads look, or do you not care?
1: I, 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 it doesn't worry me mm. but I'm in the racing game mm. and... I can explain to them, mm. and uh, but I would say those that aren't that close to the business would say, "Oh, well, this is going to this good affect our kids and what they're going to do, and they might start mm. gambling when they're very young and all that sort of stuff." So I, th- I think I think there should be self control, self moderation here, in the best interest of the wagering industry. Mm. Uh, I haven't followed what's happened in Canberra. Uh, I'm not certain. But you know, uh, governments have to take an even-handed approach on all these things. Yeah, it
0: definitely the, the strongest thing was the advertising, and it's like Tabcorp's basically saying, "We're going to stop advertising on free-to-air television. We encourage yeah. all the other bookies to do the same." I think that's where it will end up. Um, well, I thought but, you know, it's interesting. Sportsbet have basically created a new generation of punters for us, yeah. for the betterment of the game. So you, you know, you. I've been, you know, very critical of, of sports and other things for different aspects. But one thing you've got to say is they have, they have strengthened the game a lot because they've taught people how to punt. And if people are doing that in a way that they find enjoyable and it doesn't cause them any harm, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. And, uh, and, you know, rightly or wrongly, it keeps the game going because the great majority of our revenue comes from wagering. Mm. There's, there are a few, few other sources, you know. You've got, you can sell the pictures, but you can only do that once. Mm. And uh, But other than that, it's wagering. There's not much in the beverage and food side of it. Yeah. So it is wagering and, uh, and I think we've got a good model now... ...which has taken some time to yeah. develop. Yep. And uh, both New South Wales and Victoria have got good models. Mm. And, uh, and, and so that's great. I think it's problem gambling that's the, that's, mm. that, that's, that's, that's the risk. And you never know where that's going to start. And I think if you can moderate the advertising a bit... Uh, it might create less, less, a bit less problem mm. gambling you can 't gauge yeah. these things they 're very hard yeah. to gauge so but I do think that uh, if you 're watching sport it's just continual barrage at the moment mm. i much. don't think that's in their interests yeah. you know I, yeah. I, and I, by the way i don't think they 'll lose much ground if they reduce it either yeah. because yeah. I think you know yeah. uh, the products are so good now there are so many v- varieties of bets you can do, and they make it as mm. as fun as fun as they can. Mm. Uh, and the information flow is great. You know, you can research anything you want now from a mm. punting point of view. Mm. So all that's good. Moderation, I think, of yep. the advertising is is probably where we're going to end up. Mm. I mean, I found it ridiculous the other day where someone said, you're going to start losing money. After every ad, I saw this little thing saying, yeah. you're you're going to begin to lose money or yeah. something. I couldn't yeah. believe it. What's yeah. the point of adding an ad and then saying I that?
0: Yeah, I, I dislike it as well, but it's here to stay. I just, yeah, yeah I think it's, it's too much, but...
1: Yeah, so I think... ...moderation I think is called for and mm. probably not a bad thing... ...if you look across society, you know? Mm.
0: Very good. So um, to finish up, you've had a very successful business career... ...and Korean racing. What are some of the sort of ideals that you have led to that? If you can just sort of share a bit of wisdom with us.
1: Well, um, I've, what I've learned, I've learned from studying others... ...and taught by others. So... Uh, I think I've tried to be very, very straight in all my transactions. Yeah. Uh, people know that if I shake hands, that will happen, you know. Uh, that, that's one important thing. Uh, and I think for me, it determines whether I'm going to do business with some party or not. Mm-hmm. And I've only got to have something happen that is not right in that way. And that was the, Gone it's the forever. end of it. Gone yeah. forever for me. So uh, that's the first thing. I think uh, integrity is the first thing. But that's in every business, in, every, in everything you do. Yeah. The second thing is that uh, the value of research uh, in, in, a, in an industry like ours where research is useful but not final, it's not determinate because you're dealing with a gen- genetic lottery to some extent. But the va- I found the value of research enormous mm. and, uh, and uh, learning what to draw from the stats that you, that you develop. ...learning what to draw from those, understanding what Mm. to draw from those. Uh, These are the two kind of things that are... ...and of course at the end of the day you you talk... ...you you named this interview the horses that made Arrowfield. I'd have named it the people that made Arrowfield. Of course, yeah. Because at the end of the day uh, you need people to manage... ...and select those horses and and, uh, raise them. Uh, Horses can't do it on their own. Mm. And if you haven't got the right people... ...and you haven't got that team spirit, you've got nothing. Mm. Awesome. Great way to finish.
0: Thank you very much. It was Pleasure. fantastic. Everyone will Thanks. really enjoy it. Good. Well done. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.